occurrence. Quick shot, left side. There's Malachi Coy. First guy misses. Second guy misses. Across the 50, flag in the play. He's free. Bye-bye. Malachi Coy up to the races as they set for the break. 94 yards and a cloud of dust for Western Kentucky. State, a team that won 12 games a year ago, got the Mountain West Championship game. To get off the bat in their season in a conference opener, but it's Genty who slips a tackle, runs up field, Ashton Genty, touchdown! We'll first down to 10, looking for that end zone, he's got Harvey, and that's a catch for a touchdown! Old Dominion breaks the ice with 7.05 to go here in the fourth, and Javon Harvey holds in touchdown number two on the year. The G5 Hive, all G5, all the time. Welcome to episode three of the G5 Hive, where we will bring you all that G5 college football, honey. I am uh, one of your hosts, Justice. I'm joined by my man, Luke. What's going on, Luke? How you doing tonight? Doing great. My uh, five-year-old had some football, so we are doing uh, football all the time, all the day. Uh, so you're, did that for about an hour, learning how to run with the ball. He wasn't too thrilled about going to it, but afterwards he was like, dad, I think I really like football. It's like, all right. I guess at that age, it's so, flag, right? About, uh, this one was just kind of learning a little okay. bit of just like how to, how to carry a football and punt it and oh, kick it off cool. a tee. So real, real simple stuff. But yeah, I think next year will be flag. So. He, he's pretty excited about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, How I'm about doing you? Right, man. Just watching this uh, Buffalo Bills Green Bay, uh, Green Bay, New York Jets game. It had Aaron <laughs> Rodgers on the mind. Um, yeah, sucks he got injured, but happens. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just so excited that football's back. I, the NFL was a little sloppy. Um, Week one, but you kind of expect that with the guys sitting out. Yeah. But college, yeah. we're in full swing of things. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the game last night was bad. The Cowboys-Giants game, that was definitely – I mean, the weather was sloppy. The play was sloppy. It was – yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about the good stuff here. Uh, some G5 college football. Yeah. Um, We'll kind of start off with uh, what the Swarm needs to know, our news and notes section for this week. So uh, DJ Irons was out this past week with an injury. I haven't seen too much on what the injury was. Um, I yeah, I don't know if you've seen anything, Luke. I have not. I have not. So that's just something that the, the Swarm, I think, needs to know that, you know. Pay attention, right? This could be something that going forward. Yep. Um, cause he's, he's, he's a pretty productive, uh, quarterback and he's probably owned, I would think in most leagues cause he's one of the higher end G five, uh, quarterbacks. Uh, next, uh, Dalvin Smith, uh, wide receiver, Western Kentucky. Looks like he has an ankle injury. He was in a boot, um, in the third quarter. I did see some, some things saying he was on the sidelines. They were, they were encouraged by that. Um, but. You know, Western Kentucky plays Ohio State this coming week. Um, and so I think, you know, I, if, I, if I'm – if he's in my lineups, I'm setting him, right? Um, I don't know that he's going to do that great against uh, Ohio State, even if he was healthy. So given the injury news, I think he's – at. I'd rather play it safe and put him on my bench. Yeah, he's, he's a – I think the only guy here in the Western Kentucky offense that you – Want to start is Austin Reed. I mean, we didn't really know what to expect the last year versus I think it was Indiana that they played, and he did pretty well. Um, and I think you're going to get a lot of fourth quarter play here and, and some stats. And the other guy that I think sat out this last week in preparation for this Ohio State game is Malachi Corley. Um, sounds like he was okay, but had a coach's decision to hold him out. So I think – those two are fine plays this week, um, but yeah, probably won't be a great first half. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed in myself because I started Corley in a couple leagues, and 
course, I was gone most of the day Saturday at the Old Dominion game, so I never saw the news that he wasn't playing. And, yeah, I just disappointed myself the fact that I should have known better, right? You know, they were playing a very weak opponent. He's coming off injury. There's no reason to play him. Should have known better than to start him and take those zeros, but it is what it is. <laughs> the, uh, the other big injury news is uh, Michael Pratt, quarterback Tulane, who did not play in – and there's been rumors going around they tore his MCL, and that's not uh, – well, that's not as bad as, like, an ACL. It's still not good news. So um, pay attention, you know, if you're not yeah. owner. Yeah, not great, but Kai Horton did uh, a pretty stand-up job there in, uh, in his uh, absence. Yes, pay attention this week, uh, see, see what they say moving forward, if they ever do elude anything to Pratt's injury. Sometimes, um, you know, that stuff never comes out so much later. Uh, another big quarterback injured, and that's uh, Taylor Green, Boise State, injured his ankle um, in the game against uh, – they were playing Washington. Is that Washington they played this past week? No, they played uh, – Two weeks ago they played Washington, right? UCF. UCF they played. That's right. They're UCF. Well – Yep. Both quarterbacks got hurt, right? JRP and, and Green. Um, and then I should um find out some news here on on that, I hope, this week. So if I do find out something, I'll I'll tweet something out. All right. Uh moving from the injury news just to some maybe some disappointments early in the season. And the first one we have is uh John Lee Eldridge the third running back at Air Force. Um, I hate to say this, but I think, like, given people's expectations, I think you have to uh, think he's a bust at this point. Um, the positive news is he is leading the running backs in snaps for Air Force, but Owen Burke is getting the bulk of the work, and Burke is the one that's actually playing the position that uh, Brad Roberts did. You know, that they had talked in the preseason that they trained uh, John Lee Eldridge at both spots. Um, but Burke is kind of the one manning that spot now. He's the one getting the bulk of the work. And so certainly um, that's a little bit that's a, that's a disappointment for folks that own uh, John Lee there. And they were hoping that he would kind of I'm assuming that most people felt like he'd probably get like 80 percent of Roberts. But I don't even know that that's going to happen now. Yeah, I don't have a, a lot to add there. Um, the other piece of disappointing news is the North Texas quarterback situation. I don't know if we still have an idea because they seem to still be going between Rodgers and Stone Earl. So at some point you gotta you gotta pick a, a quarterback because if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks, is what they say. So yeah, it was uh yeah, you know, after week one it kind of looked like Stone Earl looked like the better play, and then you know, this this past week, uh, it kind of flip-flopped, and Rodgers looked like the better quarterback. So who knows what's going to happen moving forward. Um, I think this is just a situation to avoid until it's, it's settled. Um, I guess if you own either quarterback, and if it's a deep, deep league, I guess you could hold on to him, right, just to see. Uh, but if it's, a shallow, if it's a shallow league, neither one of these guys should be rostered, not at least until one of them takes control of the job, I feel like. Um, now this next situation, I think is definitely something that affects pretty much all college fantasy owners. And that's the Ohio rotation at running back with, with Ben Gura and Allison. Um, I mean, I think they're, it almost seems like it's two series for Ben Gura, one series for Allison and kind of flip flopping that. Um, but then Ben Gura fumbled the ball early in the game this past week and Allison got some more run and. So it, that's just kind of disappointing given where Bangura was drafted and what the expectations right were, right? Um, I mean, just some action. We'll we'll see what happens. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's possible to to both could be both could be productive, right? But uh, yeah, disappointing if if you drafted Bangura where he was going, like probably first second round, um, something very high. Something uh, I just that came across uh, today for me was Wyoming's quarterback Andrew Paisley uh, apparently hurt his or his shoulder in the game. Yes, uh, he's supposed to come back and play 
this week. They play Texas at Texas. Um, but just something to be aware of. You might take the under in that game. I'm not sure how much Texas will put up and when they'll call off the call off the team or, hey, maybe his shoulder's not that hurt and he's going to throw the ball a whole bunch. But something to keep in mind there in Wyoming. Yeah, and I think uh, Evan Savoboda is the backup. Um, so I guess, I mean, you have to be pretty desperate to pick him up and play him, though, against Texas. Yeah, <laughs> probably something you want to avoid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Speaking of Texas, uh, that Texas State wide receiver room looked slightly different this past week. Um, you know, last week it was uh, Joey Hobart, Cole Wilson, and Ashton Hawkins were kind of the top three guys, and then this week uh, Hobart was kind of down as far as you know production, and then. Drew Donnelly was number one, followed by Cole Wilson and Ashton Hawkins. So, um, I don't know. Cole Wilson, Ashton Hawkins, I guess if you want to piece the offense, look like the two more consistent guys right now. Uh, I know a lot of people, like, picked up Hobart last week. Um, I don't know if he got hurt or, or what the story was, but he uh, he was not the, uh, the main guy there in terms of production this week. It was um, Drew Donnelly. So, Maybe it's just going to be a rotation, right? Um, and you know they're not going to be like a true number one. I, I don't know. But, I mean, I guess if I'm looking to add somebody, it's probably Wilson or Hawkins. Hawkins is probably owned, so I'd rather have Wilson. Yeah, yep. uh, Wilson's um, also a sophomore, too. And then uh, Sherrod for Fresno State is supposed to be back this week running back. Uh, he got hurt in the opener against Purdue. Uh, sat last week out of precaution, but Elijah Gilliam has looked pretty good the last couple weeks. Uh, this last week he had 20 attempts for 86 yards and two touchdowns and one reception. So I am kind of curious to see how that rotation um, goes. They've got Arizona State this week, and I believe they are favored by three points. Um, Arizona State's lost three offensive linemen this last week. So um, I can see Fresno State pulling the quote-unquote upset this week. But I will be paying attention to how that um, rotation works, and then maybe they're just going to ease Sherrod back into it. So that's something we'll see. I'm hoping to get some reports uh, this this week on what things look like at practice. Uh, if I am able to get that information, I will post that on our Twitter yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting. I mean, I know people, if Gilliam was still out there, people wouldn't grab them again. They're, and I think most people are just assuming, like, he's the man. And I don't know that I'm ready to say that or admit that at this point. I mean, is it possible? Sure. But, um, you know, all, all offseason, the talk was about Sherrod. Like you said, he got injured. And so that's, that's, that's at least part of the reason, right? And so um, – and Sherrod's um, a smaller back, but the yeah. people that I talk to around the program um, still aren't ready to say Gilliam's the guy. So take that for what it's worth. Yep. yep. I mean, at this point, you know, most people are are pot committed, right? They've, they've either yep. spent waiver wires and they got Gilliam. But, you know, if you're considering Gilliam, if he still happens to be available, just a, just a word of caution there. Mm-hmm. Uh, next on to Hawaii. So Jonah Pinoke is back at wide receiver. Um, and that really kind of affected the other outside receiver position, which was mainly, I think, Alex Perry in, in the in the previous games. Um, and this past week, it was basically Pinoke, uh, Jalen Walthall, and Perry kind of rotating that, that uh, second outside receiver position with um, – McBride manning the other outside and uh, Ashlock and Nishigaya manning kind of the slots positions. So um, Ashlock, we, we mentioned it week, I think it was week zero. We mentioned it yeah. um, that, Hey, we don't need to worry too much about when Pinoke comes back, worrying about uh, taking over there in the slot. So, yeah, that's good news. Now Ashlock didn't necessarily have, an outstanding game, but he, I think it was four catches for 78 yards. Still, still, a, you know, a fine game. And it wasn't, but it wasn't what we're used to with the, 
you know, eight, nine receptions, 100-plus yards, and a touchdown or two. So I'm kind of excited to see this game against Oregon to see if it is fast-paced and maybe that over uh, is looking good. I think it's at like 63.5 or something. So I'm, that uh, I'm a little concerned. We'll I think I might be sitting most of my Hawaii guys this week. Just So I, I watched the first half of that game against Albany. Um, and uh, Great I mean, Danes really uh, they got a recovered. lot of they got a lot of pressure on uh, on Sh- on Shager, and so um, I'm I'm a little concerned given the Oregon defense. Um, now you know they played they played Stanford and they played um, Vanderbilt, right? So they played they played you know G five schools already, and, and Shager was able to produce. Uh, I just feel like Oregon's, you know, Oregon's definitely another level up, right? I mean, compared to Stanford yeah. and Vanderbilt. And so if I have what I would consider other decent options, um, I'm probably going to sit my Hawaii shares. And really the only guys I own are Shager. Well, I do own, I still own some Hines, but I haven't been starting him at all. So, yep. But Shager and Ashlock, um, I'm probably definitely sitting Shager, I feel like. And, Ashlock is just going to kind of depend on what else I have to start at receiver, but yeah. And then the Tulsa, uh, Tulsa used Roman Fuller and Cardell Williams at quarterback versus Washington. Um, did, kind did of you, a, Did you watch any of that game? Or I did not. I did not get a chance to watch that. I was wondering, and I have. I didn't get to watch either. I was wondering if it's just more a case of where it was kind of already out of hand, and so they didn't want to keep running Williams out there, risk him getting injured with uh, with um, Braxton already injured. Um, I'm not sure, so I, I don't really have any input on there. But We we saw the three running backs again, Ford, Jackson, and Watkins. Um, at some point, I'm, I'm really wanting, and maybe I'm wanting it too much, to have Watkins take over the backfield. Um Again, he was academically ineligible last year, and I think he has what it takes to be that guy. But so far, um, he has not been able to take over that backfield. No, it's but a, a, it's, a guy to watch. Yeah, I mean, and it's a f- fairly even split. I feel like between the three of them, Ford's getting the Ford's getting more than the other two, but it's not like he's getting leaps and bounds more. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I still have some Watkins shares. And so I, I think if I think if if a running back is to take over, I think he's the one to do it, in my personal opinion. Jackson's a little bit smaller, so I don't see him doing it. And I don't I don't know. I don't Ford doesn't overly impress me. So um next up, so um I spent several hours uh, uh Saturday <laughs> at Old Dominion. Um there was a rain delay or lightning delay, so I was there even longer, um, and and much to my disappointment, um, I, I don't really, I don't. I guess if if you still own Javon Harvey, you might consider dropping him at this point. Um, so he did not play any offensive snaps. Um, my initial assumption was, hey, he must have broke a team rule, so maybe he has to sell out the first quarter. Well, he didn't play in the first quarter. And then I said, well, we had to sell the first half. Well, he didn't play in the first half. And then, like, start the second half, he still wasn't playing. So I'm like, well, maybe he broke a team rule and has to sell out the whole game. Well, I want to say it was in the fourth quarter. He was out there on a punt coverage snap, and he was actually the first guy down the, down the ball, I think, like at the three-yard line or something. And so that kind of throws out the, hey, maybe he was serving us a, a, a suspension angle. Um what I did hear today from uh, some sources from Old Dominion is that uh, the decision for him not to play was was strictly performance related, and so uh, that's not I, great. That is not great, and so that makes me wonder. Uh, you know, maybe he just wasn't giving full effort in practice, and this was kind of their way of saying, "Hey, buddy, you know, if you're not going to give us effort in practice, you ain't going to play." Um, so yeah, stay tuned. Um, without heart, you know they had a heavy rotation this week. Um, there isn't, 
they in my opinion there isn't like a guy that they rely on they wrote they wrote they rotated the receivers pretty heavily um in the game against louisiana i mean if you if you want a piece of the offense it's grant wilson right um or maybe uh Keyshawn wicks the running back but um i there isn't a receiver that i could tell anybody right now that hey to look at um it's just just so much a rotation um without harvey wilson's the closest guy i want to own in that offense and yeah 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 wilson's the number one choice wicks would be number two um the running back after that um and 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 this week i don't know that we're going to get any more answers either this week because they play wake forest at home and so i'm not (laughs) i wouldn't start wilson or wicks or any old dominion uh players against uh wake forest i would start all your wake forest players though Old, yeah, old, yeah. <laughs> old, old, Dominion, old Dominion defense is pretty bad, and so got some yeah, holes in it. Yeah, Jamal Banks, uh, Mitch Griffiths, Demond Claiborne, fire him up, buddy. <laughs> I mean, well, I, yeah, we got some G five over P five games to talk about. We've got JMU with the win over Virginia, thirty six to thirty five. Uh, tried to give it away, but they were able to. They did they pull did. it out. I, I uh, watched we've got, the uh, first half of that game. JMU looked pretty good, and then uh, UVA kind of came back, you know, towards the end of the half. JMU was up at halftime. I missed the entire second half, though. And then you've got probably one of the bigger games uh, or the upsets of the week here with Rice over Houston in a 43-41 to 41 overtime. Again, Rice trying to give it away. They were at a pretty big command. I think they were up 28-0 at one point, 21-0. Uh, watch some of that game. And then we've got App State gave UNC a run and lost in double overtime. I'm just assuming that every App State UNC game from here on out just goes to overtime um, and just bet the overs, I guess. Well, I think, unfortunately for us, uh, the, that series is done. And from what I hear, um, UNC has no plans to uh, to play App State ever again. Um, made him too nervous. Yeah, I mean, I got into this debate with a, uh, a Virginia Tech fan last night, um, and they were like, "Well, you know, it's a no-win situation for us when we play ODU." And to me, I, I said, "Well, that, that, to me, that's just an excuse, right? Because you should beat us. If you can't beat us, that's a problem." And so, you know, I just feel like that's an excuse that the 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 uh, the Power Five teams use right because they can't beat some of these G fives on a consistent basis, um, but yeah, I, I mean, sadly, you're probably going to get a lot less of those games, especially as the Power Five conferences get bigger, and yep. they'll probably just play each other. Even if they're not supposed to play each other for the conference games, they'll be so big that why do we need to go anywhere else? No, you're right. Absolutely right. I mean. You, you see it in college basketball, right, where the, the power schools don't want to play the mid-majors. And uh, now now we're seeing that in uh, college football, too. You know, and, and, again, the same excuse. They say, well, it's a no-win situation. If we win, we were supposed to win. And if we lose, we suck. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's good for good for college football um, when, you, when, you, when those two teams can play, right, when you have some in-state rivals, um, you know, play each other. Um, Honestly, good the, like good for the fans too, right? Proximity. Like I, I love this week. You've got Alabama going to Southern Florida to play the Bulls. Like Alabama should should win that game, um, but use it for recruiting tools, I guess. Like Power yeah. Five can go. I'm assuming there's going to be some kids in Florida that Alabama is going to go look at Friday night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. And Hey, you can come check out the game. Probably also USF is going to probably have its biggest turnout probably of the year would be my guess uh, for that. So, you know, I think the power five team should go, should go play g5 teams and use it for a recruiting tool is what i think they should do but no you're right they should absolutely should i mean i think that's that's the reason that's the reason why tech plays odu up until like 20 
30 something, right? Because the, the area, the area, the Tidewater area of Virginia is a hotbed for recruiting. And so that's the primary reason why I think Tech agrees to play ODU. Hopefully it'll continue after those, after the 10 years or so we have left. And we've got players of the week this week. Uh, the G5 Hive posted Ashton Genty was my pick. He is now up to fifth in the G5 in rushing, I believe, in all of G5 rushing. He might be even up there in all of the Power 5 in rushing. He, he had a tremendous game and almost, you know, Halani was out. He almost willed that team to a victory, put the team on his back. Um, there was a late kick by UCF to win it. But Ashton did all he could to uh, keep that team in it. So hats off to Ashton. Yes, yes. He was he was electric as always, right? And so hopefully he continues to get those touches both in the running game and the passing game. My uh, G5 player of the week was Gage Larvadane. Uh, wide receiver from Miami, Ohio. He is the number one G5 receiver in terms of yards and number four in terms of targets. Um, they played UMass this past week. Miami, Ohio won 41 to 28. Gage caught eight balls on 12 targets for 273 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, I, we, we talked about him last week about being the number one receiver from Miami, Ohio. Uh, most people thought it would be Miles Marshall. Um, hopefully you picked him up last week because he is going to be a hot commodity this week if he is still still available on waivers. So um, if he is by chance, he should be a he should definitely be a top waiver priority in your leagues. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for us in our what the swarm needs to know. Now let's move on to the nectar also known as the good stuff. Top producers in the G5 season to date. So uh, last week we had quarterbacks. We had 13 quarterbacks in, in the segment. This week we have 15. So I am looking at this on attempts per, per game and yards per game. So I, I am looking at the top 20 and whichever quarterbacks hit both of those, those are who I'm adding to this list because I want volume because that's something that is sustainable. And I want the yards because the yards are going to get us points. The next thing, I order these in order of touchdowns. Touchdowns also gets us points. I will not say the touchdown numbers because those aren't as sticky. But as I go through these, that's how they are ordered. I came with those two buckets and then ordered them then by touchdowns. So I also will not go over these names that are from previous weeks in this case, last week. Uh, but I will touch on anybody who is new in the, in the, uh, in this list. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six new players that are entering this quarterback list. So, Braden Shager, Austin Reed, Mikey Keene, Jacob Zeno. Those are our top four. And those, I will say this from a um, attempts per game, you got Shager at 42.6, Reed at 41.5, Mikey Keene at 41.5, and, and Jacob Zeno at 42. So you're getting a lot of volume there. Then we've got Cole Snyder from Buffalo. Sorry, I should say Braden Shager, Hawaii, Austin Reed, Western Kentucky, Mikey Keene, Flor uh, Fresno State, and Jacob Zeno, UAB. Cole Snyder from Buffalo. He has 37 attempts per game, which is eighth in the G5 with 229.5 yards, which is 20th um, in the G5 of all of passing yardage. You've got Ben Woldridge. Uh, that's you. Louisiana Monroe, I believe. Monroe. Yep. 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 Um, so he's 34 passes a game, 30, 13th in the G5 in pass, pass attempts per game with 254 yards passing. That's good for 13th. 
Casey Thompson, FAU Owls. Um, he is also at 34 attempts per game, also tied at 13th with 230 yards passing per game, which is 19th in the G5. Uh, another familiar name here, Davis Brin at Georgia Southern, Preston Stone out of SMU. Excuse me. A new uh, name to the list is JT Daniels with his performances last week. Um, He's got 34 pass attempts a game, which is tied for 13th, and 275 yards passing per game, which is ninth in the G5. Another name that has been here is Seth Hennigan from Memphis, EJ Warner from Temple, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. Two new names to this list are Kai Horton, who may be taking over for a few weeks with the News there at Tulane. He is 37 pass attempts, eighth in the nation, or eighth in the G5, and then 230 yards per game, which is good for 18th. And then Rocky Lombardi um, at NIU, and uh, he's got 33 attempts, 16th in the G5, good for 231.5 yards passing, which is good for 17th. So again, trying to give you names that if you want to go pick them up on the on the waiver wire, if they are available in your leagues, you want to look at Braden Shager, Austin Reed, Mike Keen, Jacob Zeno, Cole Snyder, Ben Woldridge, Casey Thompson, Davis Brin, Preston Stone, JT Daniels, Seth Hennigan, EJ Warner, Grayson McCall, Kai Horton, and Rocky Lombardi. And, you know, Horton could be a sneaky one for Dynasty, right? Because, like you said, with Pratt out, um, and and even if when Pratt does come back, he's likely gone. I think this is his last year of eligibility, so Horton could be a play for next year as well. Yep. All right, now we're going to talk about uh, the running backs. And uh, if you weren't here last week, you know, it's like, like uh, Luke said, it's all about volume. Um, and for running backs, we're looking at total touches and total yards per game. Um, we're looking for guys that check both of those boxes into the top 20. Um, and we do have four new names this week, so I'll kind of focus on those and then talk about the uh, the guys that um, are repeats. Um, so the first um, is Kavorian Barnes. Uh, he's 23, 23 total touches, good for third in the G5 with 113 total yards a game, which is eighth. Um a little surprised that he wasn't in the top 20 in both last week, but he is now. Um, and then he was the, close last week. And then um, the other one that surprises me, too, is, is your player of the week, Ashton Jainty. Um, he's 21 and a half target or 21 and a half touches per game, good for fourth, and 182 and a half yards Woo! per game, uh, which is good for second overall. Um, he's just he's a monster, right? And I. I mean, I I think I might own like one Halani share, but man, they just need to give that guy the ball, right? I mean, he's he's just he's a difference maker for them. And I'm not saying Halani's bad, um, because he's not, but but Jinti is special and man, you just like to see, you know, get you you want to get to him as many touches as you can. Um, the next new guy on the list this week is Blake Watson out of Memphis. Uh, 19 and a half touches per game, good for uh, eighth in the G5, and 100 total yards game, good for 17th. And the last new guy on the list this week is from Jacksonville State, and that's Malik Jackson with uh, 16.3 touches per week or touches per game, um, good for 19th and 98 yards per game, also 19th. Um, Going back and looking to the 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 the, the old the old guys or the, the repeats from last week who um, are still in the top twenty in both categories, uh, the number one is Marcus Carroll. Um, he's been outstanding for Georgia State. If he is by some miracle still available in your leagues, um, you you got to go pick him up. I mean, he is he is looking like uh, you know a top ten running back in, in all of CFF. Uh, he leads the G five in. Uh, total touches with 26. He's third in yards per game, 152. Uh, next up, Nate Noel, running back from Appalachian State. 
He's tied with Carroll in total touches, number one. He's sixth in yards with 123. Uh, Kimani Vidal, uh, running back from Troy, he is your number one yards guy in the G5 with 197 yards per game. Um, next up is Elijah Gilliam, who we talked about earlier, um, with the 21 touches and 98 and a half yards per game. Uh, who this guy was probably, you know, somewhere around the top three running backs drafted in your CFF leagues, and that's Rasheen Ali, uh, running back for Marshall. Um, 20 and a half touches per game, good for seventh at 134 and a half yards per game. And then the last guy uh, that's in the in tops in volume for running backs is um, a guy we spent a lot of time talking about last week, and that's Mr. Jalen Buckley at uh, Western Michigan. Um, 19 and a half touches per game with 142 and a half yards per game. Um, if any of these guys are available in your leagues, um, I'd go pick them up. Again, we talked a little bit about Gilliam and maybe a little bit of caution there. Um, the only other one I might would caution is Malik Jackson, um, just because you know that that's a that's a split there, um, in the in that running back uh, room for Jacksonville State. Plus, the quarterback likes to run the ball, so you kind of got yep, two that running system, backs. Yep, that system's going to like to run the quarterback because that's you got Richrod there. Yep. So, but again, if you're in a super deep league, like Malik Jackson could be worth an ad, right? He seems to be the the the, the running back that's kind of standing out among that group. Um, but for sure, you know, Barnes, I can't believe that Barnes or JT are available, but uh, Blake Watson certainly could be. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, last week there was some concern um, with him and Sutton Smith. But I think uh, this past week, uh, Watson he, was the man. Yep, um, he was. So, you know, Blake Watson's available. Go pick him up. And uh, with that, turned over to uh, Luke to talk about some wide receivers. All right. Last week we had eight in this segment. This week we have 12 that have entered in both buckets of targets. Again, looking at that volume, what is happening week to week? If you're getting the volumes, targets are earned. Uh, Yards will come. Receptions will come. Fantasy points will come. Touchdowns will come. So we're putting this into targets and then yards per game. Or targets per game and then yards per game. So... We've got um, a couple new guys here. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven new guys. Um, and two, four, five um, that have been here last week. I then ordered my next thing out of here was to order these by receptions. So great, you're getting targets. Great, you're getting yards. Are you getting 12 targets, catching four of them? and they're all deep bombs kind of gives you an idea here. So I ordered these in uh, reception totals, so you know, Hey, I'm going to get, if you're in a PPR league, I'm going to get production from these guys. And then they're also in the top 20 in the G five when it comes to targets. And when it comes to yards, all gets you fantasy points uh, new to the list. Um, wasn't going to be long, but Terrell Vaughn 14th, <clears throat> 14 um, receptor, or, Targets per game, uh, 83 yards per game, good for 16th. Torrey Horton, um, I must have forgot him last week because they didn't play um, last week, right? Right, right. So yeah. that must have been a oversight on us. So I, will, I do want to put that name in there. So he has 11 targets, good for 8th in the G5. Uh, 81 yards per game, 18th. Lejante Wester, uh, 12 and a half, which is uh, FAU, 12 and a half yard, er, receptions, again, 12 and a half targets per game, good for second in the G5, and 78 yards per game, good for 19th. People who have been here before, Eric Brooks from Fresno State, Jamal Bell from Nevada, they are here again. So if those guys are there, it's two weeks in a row that they're in the top 20 in both of those. Go pick them up. And then uh, Justice's guy, uh, Gage Larvadane, 12 targets uh, per game, which is good for fourth in the G5. 172.5 yards per game, good for first 
and the G5. Again, we mentioned this is going to be a hot name to go pick up, so go pick him up. You got Joshua Cephas there. Um, what was that? UTSA? UTSA, yeah. Um, 11 and a half targets per game, good for six. Uh, 81 and a half, good for 17th in the G5. While you're New- talking about UTSA real quick, um, I did read something that DeClorian Clark, Clark sneaked on sneaked on the field for a play. He wasn't supposed to play, but he snuck on the field and had one play last week. So maybe he's getting close to coming back. And RIP if you happen to play him for whatever reason and don't have auto subs because you got a snap. So that's uh, too bad <laughs> yeah, for you guys. That sucks. <laughs> uh, then we've got Colin Lacey, new to the to the list here, Southern Alabama. Nine targets per game and a hundred yards per game. So that's good for thirteenth and seventh in the G five. Derwin Burgess Jr. The wide receiver for Georgia Southern, he has nine targets a game, tied for 13th in the G5 with 85 yards per game, tied for 15th. Uh, Palafi Ashlock, we talked about last week, a hot name on the waiver wire. Uh, he is ninth, or he has nine targets a game, good for 13th, and 108 yards per game, good for fourth. So while he didn't give you a huge output last week, he's still putting up 100 per game. Um, Sam Pickney, 12 targets per game, good for fourth, 101 yards per game, good for sixth. And then the new name here, the last name that I want to talk about. Wow, this is going to be a hard one. Uh, ooh. Casper Rutzkowitz? Yeah. Um, wide receiver out of why am I uh, blanking? Northern Illinois, I believe, right? Northern Illinois. So eight and a half targets per game, good for 17th in the nation or in the G5, and then 92 and a half yards per game, good for 12th. So, again, any of those guys that you want to pick up, we've got two or, in Hawaii's case, three weeks of data that says these guys are in the top 20. If any of those guys are available in your waivers, feel free to pick them up because that was we want to pick these guys out so that you guys can go make actionable uh, it's actionable information for you guys. So with that, I will uh, give it to Justice here to talk about tight ends. So one thing I wanted to talk about real quick on the wide receivers is Sam Pinkney. So um, you know, week one it was the Sam Pinkney show, and then week yeah. two it was the the Jerry Brown victory. show. I got my victory lap in. It's okay. <laughs> so just something, you know. I mean, not a surprise, right? That they both can be productive because they're both good receivers. Um, and that might just be how it goes from a week to week basis. Um, Pinkney, if I had to bet money, I'm, I would think it would be the more consistent guy. I think Brown is the more is the higher ceiling, more um, electric player. Um, and he, you know, he can take any ball to the house at any time. Um, so yeah, but you know, this week they kind of flipped in terms of production. Um, you know, maybe they. I feel like they both can probably be productive moving forward in that coastal uh, Carolina offense because the the running game does not look um, does not look very good at all, in my opinion. So. They could be relying on that uh, on, on Sam McCall and uh, Jared Pinkney and um, Jared Brown and Sam Pinkney moving forward. Um, but on to the tight ends um, again, volume is king. Kind of like uh, what uh, Luke was talking about. What we do for receivers, we do the same thing for the tight ends, and it's targets, yards per game. Now, the one thing we do look at in addition to the yard to those two items is also the A dot for tight ends. Um, that we do have three three new names this week, and I'm going to do this one a little bit different, just because I feel like the old names that there's such a gap between them and the new guys, and so I, I kind of want to give those guys their credit because um, you know these are tight ends, the, the, the old guys are tight ends that you know should 100% be owned um, in leagues. The three yep. new guys I'm going to mention are kind of like more fringe. And uh, it have to be a really, it have to be a fairly deep league for me to consider these guys. Um, 
So I, I want to talk about the, these top tight ends first. And uh, the number one guy is Tanner Koziol out of uh, Ball State at seven and a half targets per game, 43 yards with an A dot of 81. Uh, right behind him is David Robert, Rob, Martin Robinson from Temple, seven and a half targets, 54 and a half yards per game uh, with an A dot of 10 and a half. Um, next up, Harold Fannin Jr., who had a, a monster game this past week for Bowling Green. Uh, six and a half targets per game, 69 yards, an A dot of 5.8. Uh, Dallin Holker, uh, who did not play last week, but was a, was a monster in, uh, in week one for Colorado State. Um, six targets, 47 yards, 11 and a half targets. Um, RJ Maryland, SMU, five targets per game, 58 yards, 7.8 um, A dot. And then the last of kind of the old guard that we talked about last week is Neil Johnson. Um, Louisiana Lafayette, he did get targeted quite a bit in the game against Old Dominion, but I'm pretty sure he only made one catch. Um, but he's averaging six and a half targets per game, uh, 30 for uh, 30 yards with an eight out of 4.7. He did kind of, at least in the Old Dominion game, he did kind of operate like you know, as an outlet more or less for uh, Ben Wildridge. Moving on to the, the, the new guys, um, and so the first one I want to mention, I feel like is probably if I'm going to add one of these guys, he's probably the first one I'm going to add. And that's a Mark Redman out of San Diego State. Uh, 5.3 targets, 35.7 yards per game with an eight out of 86. I'm sorry, 8.6. Whoa. <laughs> 8.6 is his A dot. But, you know, he's kind of been up and down, which is kind of normal, I think, for tight ends, right? But I feel like, you know, of the three options, he's probably the more consistent of the three. Um, next up is uh, J.J. McAfee um, at uh, Georgia Southern, um, and he's probably that fourth option in that re- in, in that in that passing attack behind uh, Burgess Hood and Queeley. Um, but you know, in a tight end required league, you could do worse than someone in a high passing offense like Georgia Southern. But McAfee's averaging six and a half targets per game. 37 and a half yards per game. His A dot kind of similar to Neil Johnson's fairly low, 3.8. He's kind of an seems to be the outlet guy um, for for uh, Davis Brin there at Georgia Southern. And then the last guy I want to mention at tight end is Trey Watson, Fresno State. Uh, six targets per game, 45 and a half yards per game, but he does have a decent A dot of 10.3. And so, you know, maybe he's someone that you're looking at after. Uh, Eric Brooks there at Fresno State. So, you know, again, the, the, the kind of the guys we've mentioned both weeks are kind of the top guys there at tight end in the G5. And then McAfee, Redman, and Watson are kind of like you're in a, probably in a pretty deep league if you're rostering those guys. But, you know, hey, they, they're, 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 you know, in offenses where they are being featured. And so, you know, you could do a lot worse at tight end. And tight ends always, I feel like tight ends kind of one of the hardest, uh, positions to kind of nail there seems like especially this year there was a there was a group i feel like a, a group of a real big group of three um and you could make the argument that two of those three probably really aren't tight ends but they got tight end eligibility in uh, in fan tracks and gadson and and smith and then you know of course the number one guy brock bowers but even he had off week this week right so um, yeah, he only got like one <laughs> One three catch points, for like three know. yards or something. It was, yeah, wasn't too um, great. So yeah, you know, tight end, tight ends are volatile. So you're looking for that consistency, and so you want to see that volume. Um, so that's kind of you know what we're sharing with you guys that the tight ends of the G five level they're get they're getting that volume that's worthy of uh, of a roster spot in your leagues. So now we'll go on to our uh, our waiver wires, and. Uh, for those that weren't here last week, we, we're looking at guys that are 30% or less owned on fan tracks. And uh, with that, um, I'll turn it over to Luke to talk about some quarterbacks. All right. So quarterbacks, I've got two, four, six, eight here to talk about. So Ben Woldridge, uh, Louisiana Monroe, he is 3% owned. He is scoring 34.06 points per game in a six-point passing touchdown league. Like I mentioned before, 34 pass attempts a game and 
254 yards passing. That's good for 13th in the G5 on both of those. Jacob Zeno, UAB, 5% owned. 31.62 points per game, 42 pass attempts, good for third in the G5, and 337.5 yards passing per game, good for first. Mikey Keene. 26% owned. I'm assuming this is going to be the last week to talk about Mikey Keene. He's at 28.38 points per game, 45 and a half uh, attempts per game, good for fifth in the G5, and 301.5 yards per game, good for third. Joey Aguilar, App State, 1% owned. He, he came in in week one. Um, I'm trying to remember the starter's name who got hurt. But Joey uh, Ryan Berger, Ryan Berger, Ryan, Ryan Berger. So Joey Aguilar has been great. He's getting 28.48 points per game, 28 and a half attempts per game and 224.5 yards per game. Caden Salter, 21% owned. I'm assuming this will also be the last week. Maybe um, he should have been, I thought more picked up um, this last week, but still here he is. Uh, 31.63 points per game. However, he only throws the ball 22 and a half times a game and 209.5 yards passing. So not great. He's kind of more of a dual threat guy. He'll get you about 60 yards on the ground and one touchdown. Again, we mentioned it like last week, their offense Oh, watching. Okay, we got overtime in the Bills game. Um, their offense isn't that. We got Chadwell coming over. It's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be okay. But high efficiency. Yeah, high efficiency. Like Coastal was last year, and their their schedule isn't that great. So I would the feel comfortable taking terrible. <laughs> I would feel comfortable taking Salter. We got uh, Keon Jenkins, Florida International. He's 1% owned, 20.66 points per game, 30.5 uh, pass attempts per game, good for 23rd in the G5, and 292 yards passing per game, good for 8th in the G5. So I kind of had my cutoff at like 20 points per game because I'm not upset if I get 20 points per game from a quarterback. Um, Diego Pavia. Um, 15% owned, 20.1 points per game, 22.6 pass attempts, which is good for 48th in the G5 at 235.6 yards, good for 15th uh, per game in the G5. And then this one is the one that's still perplexing, so I got to talk about it. Bert yeah, Emanuel, uh, Central Michigan, 20% owned, 24.7 points per game. He only has 18 um, attempts per game, which is 63rd in the G5, and 140 yards passing, which is 53rd. But he's going to get you about 70 yards and a touchdown each game or each week. Well, I feel like at least harder competition, right? I mean, yeah. You saw you saw what he did. You saw what he's going to do this week when he gets into action, right? Um, yep. So I think they have. I think they have a hard game this coming week too. Right? I'm not sure. I don't remember who they play off top. Notre play, Dame, but, I believe. So yeah, he's probably not going to produce this week. But but you know, like like a lot of these guys in the MAC, they they have played a t- very tough non conference schedule. Uh, but when they get in that action, man, Bert Emanuel is going to light it up. Um, uh, yeah, like you're not picking him up to start now. You're picking him up to start uh, when conference play starts, and it, it it will pay off huge dividends for you, I believe. All right, uh, now on to the running backs. Um, got uh, three, uh, six, six running, seven running backs here to talk about. Um, the first one is Malik Jackson, who I talked about earlier. Um, you know, he's only 18% owned. He's averaging 15.43 points per game. Um, he's top 20 volume running back for Jacksonville State. So if he's available, um, he's probably my – of the guys I'm going to talk about in the waiver wires, he'd be my number one um, ad. Um, moving on, probably my number two guy would be Keyshawn Wicks at Old Dominion. He's only 1% owned. Um, 
14.3 points per game, 17 touches, 96 and a half yards per game. Um, this week, uh, Old Dominion um, limited the carries basically to two backs, Wicks and Sonny, whereas in week one, I believe they played four running backs. Um, Wicks is the clear leader in that running back room. There was some, I think, some concern from some folks that it would be Kadarius Callaway. Uh, he didn't even see the field last week. So um, Wicks is very, you know, only owned 1% um, that there could be an ad in, in your deeper leagues. Um, next up, Lorenzo Lingard at um, Akron. Um, 17% owned, 11.8 points per game. Um, he's only getting eight and a half touches, but he's getting 73 yards a game. Um, I also feel like, you know, last week with no DJ Irons, right, that's going to affect their offense. It's not going to be as productive and limit touches for everybody. Uh, next up, Karon Adams, uh, UMass, 13% owned, 14.3 points per game, 16 touches for 88 yards per game. Uh, we talked about Shamari Lawrence last week. He's 19% uh, owned, 14.33 points per game. 13 touches for 90 yards. Um, as we talked uh, maybe in week zero and again last week, the issue with Lawrence, he's just he's just inconsistent, right? He's going to he's gonna have weeks where he's going to be worth a start and in other weeks he isn't. Um, but I will say it is very encouraging that the Florida International uh, offense has kind of showed some signs of life in terms of the passing game the last two weeks. And so, you know, that that's only going to be positive for Lawrence moving forward. Um, next up, Ja'Cory Merritt. Uh, for New Mexico, 20, he's only 3% owned, uh, 25.7 points per game. Um, he's only averaging 11 and a half, a half touches, but he is getting 106 yards with those 11 touches. Um, and then the last guy I want to mention, um, again, he, he is a freshman, but um, the word of caution with him is, you know, he's seeing a lot of playing time right now because of injury to their top two running backs, and that's Keith Willis at Louisiana Tech. He's only 2% owned. Um, he's averaging 17.67 points per game, uh, 10 touches for 78 yards. Um, you know, of all the of all the running backs I talked about, probably the top two for me would be uh, Malik Jackson and Keyshawn Wicks. Um, again, Wicks is the RB1 for Old Dominion. And, uh, you know, once they get into conference play in the Sun Belt, um, I think you can kind of mark him down for his, you know, 15, 16 Rushes for, you know, 80 to 100 yards a game. And then, you know, a couple reception. And then Malik Jackson, we talked about him earlier. He's the he's looking like the the lead back in a in, in a committee there with the quarterback at uh, Jacksonville State. So uh, next up is Luke with your uh, wide receiver waiver ads. All right. We talked about some of these names last week, but we're going to talk about them again. Also talked about some of these up at the beginning of our, our program here. But Gage uh, Larvadine, 7% owned. I really hope to not have to talk about this name next week. We'll see how big this jump is. But he's got 34.65 points per game. And he's getting eight receptions for on 12 targets and 172.5 yards per game. That's a great... He was up in the top 20s for reception per game and yards per game. Need to go get him. Jamal Bell, Nevada, 12% owned. Again, in that 2020 bucket that we talk about, he's at 20.85 points per game. He averages eight and a half receptions on nine and a half targets for 80 or for 98 and a half yards per game. Colin Lacey out of Southern Alabama or South Alabama, 16% owned, 20.45 points per game. He averages seven and a half receptions on nine targets per game for 100 yards per game. He was also up in our 2020 bucket. Casper Richowitz is what I'm going to call that name. Uh, Northern Illinois we talked about him up at the beginning. Eight. 1% owned, 18.2 points per game. He averages five and a half receptions on eight and a half targets for 92.5 yards. And now we've got three names that I did not talk about. They're just outside of those 2020s buckets, but doing pretty well here. So I want to bring them up. You got Dante Wright, 
9% owned at a temple. He's averaging 15.7 points per game, seven receptions on 11 and a half targets, good for 71 yards per game. Tyrone Howell out of University uh, Lafayette Monroe, 7% owned, 16.1 points per game, six and a half tar- er, receptions on 11 targets. Not great on that ratio, but 11 targets. He's their passing half- offense, though. I mean, their catcher, you know, yep. so. He, he is six, a passing guy. And he got 66 um, yards per game. Then I was surprised to see this name and a great name for Dynasty. Justice Ross Simmons, Colorado State, was off last week, but he's 11% owned, 23.3 points per game, five receptions on seven targets for 123 yards per game. Justice, off to you for the tight ends. One thing, uh, bringing up Colorado State, one thing that we failed to mention in our news and notes, I I just remembered. um, So Colorado State announced that quarterback Braden Fowler Nicolasi will be the starting quarterback this week when they play in-state rival Colorado. Now, I'm not sure if Clay Millen's still hurt. Um, I know many people – I didn't see the game in which that happened, but many people felt that – the offense looked better with uh, Nicolasi than it did with Millen. So I'm not sure if this is a injury thing or just a production thing, but nonetheless, uh, Braden Fowler, Nicolasi will be leading the uh, the Rams this week against their in-state rivals in Colorado. So if you if he's available in your leagues, you might look to add him just simply because the Colorado State quarterback, you know, can be a valuable asset. Um, uh, with that uh, Norvell offense. All right. So for the tight ends, um, these first four guys I'm going to talk about are repeats from above. So I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time, uh, but it is, in my opinion, it is criminal that all four of these guys are below 30%. And the number one G5 uh, tight end, Tanner Koziel, he's only 27% owned. Hopefully next week he kind of get, gets over that 30% bump. That's averaging. wild. Averaging nine points per game. Uh, the number two uh, G5 tight end, David Martin Robinson out of Temple, only 18% owned, uh, 10.45 points per game. Uh, then we get to Harold Fannin from Bowling Green, 9% owned, 14.9 points per game. And then the, the last guy that we talked about previously is Dallin Holker. Uh, once again, Colorado State, he's only 18% owned. And he's averaging 15.7 points per game. Uh, these next two names are new, um, and these guys, again, are guys to look at. And uh, the first is Sam Olson of San Jose State, 4% owned. I believe a lot of people kind of assumed that would be uh, Dominic Maziotti, uh, but it's looking like Sam Olson is probably the tight end to own there. Um, 9.7 points per game, uh, 4.7 targets per game, 30 yards with an dot of 6.8. And then the last tight end I want to mention is Ethan Connor out of Troy, who is 11% owned, uh, 12.75 points per game, uh, three targets per game, 37 and a half yards, and an A dot of 9.5. Um, again, Fannin, Holker, Koziol, uh, David Martin Robinson, they all should be owned in, in tight end required leagues. Um, and so, you know, hopefully, uh, if you're in a league where you require tight end and those guys are not not rostered, um, I would definitely be picking up one of those four for sure. Like I feel like we shouldn't talk about them next week, but also if they're under thirty percent owned, we gotta mention them because they yeah. need to be owned. Yeah, I mean these guys are you know top tight end options in any in any format. So um, the fact that they're still under thirty percent, like I said, is criminal criminal <laughs> kind of like bird Emanuel, right like there's yeah. no way no way that guy should be available on waivers unless it's like you know unless it's a a one quarterback you know 10 team league or something but even then right what he's going to give you when some action starts is going to be pretty phenomenal i feel like well that's going to do it for us tonight we uh we gave you our top performers through two weeks If they're out in your waivers, you can go pick them up. 
We give you some waiver wire pickups. I don't know how many places are going to give you two, four, six tight ends uh, to talk about. Here we are just looking at the G5, giving you that. Um, big news this week, we finally got on Apple Podcasts, so that will be available here after we record. We'll get those published so that we will – we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're all – we're all out there, so go please rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube, our Twitter, at G5Hive, and uh, just thank you for any support you give us. We get, we're trying to give that G5 the the time and the limelight here um, and giving them the respect that they, they deserve. Yeah, and if you have any feedback or comments, things you'd like to see, things you'd like to see us do differently, um, please reach out to us, right, you know? We're kind of feeling our way through this, um, and so we're, we're open to anyone's ideas or suggestions as we move forward um, to kind of, you know, promote the G five and, and and give you guys uh, what you you know what you want. So let us know. All right, next week we will be back with you on Monday at nine fifteen Central, the best time zone out there, um, <laughs> or uh, ten ten fifteen Eastern. Next week, we'll be going full bore once again with that sweet, sweet nectar from the G5 uh, week three games and bring you all the news for the swarm that we can find concerning the G5. Thanks for your support. Like I said, please like, subscribe, retweet, leave a five-star review, and we'll be available on our YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Buzz, buzz. Peace out. Yeah, go, hot, 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 go, hot,